Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? How many of you guys are getting ready for Christmas? How many have not even started shopping? How many of you guys never shopped for Christmas until like, okay, when I was in high school, we shopped on Christmas Eve. My brother, my dad, and I, we had just moved to Arizona. There were three of us bachelors living, and you know, my mom was still living back east, but we went to the mall... Uh, Metro Center at the time. You guys remember Metro Center? We would go on Christmas Eve and split up and go shopping and somehow take our stuff to the car and hide them and and then wrap presents Christmas Eve (laughs) and then open up on Christmas Day. (laughs) That's how late we were in the whole thing. So that that doesn't happen anymore because Sharon does all the shopping for us and (laughs) I get the, she's a rock star. She's a rock star. Well, we are entering into uh, Christmas time, and it's, I don't know about you, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, it's, uh, I actually grew up in a place where it was cold and had snow, so we had white Christmases. And so when I hear the songs and I see the weather change, it brings back happy memories. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we're going to do that for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the birth of Christ. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And we're going to celebrate and rejoice with the very first uh, announcement of the birth of Christ. And uh, by the way, during the worship, my, I was trying to clean my glasses and the screw came out of my lens, and so my glasses are... And so I sent my son home to grab my other pair. And when I left my house this morning, I had my extra pair, which I almost always keep with me. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'll need the extra pair today. But <laughs> So <laughs> I know, always go with the, go with the, uh, the Holy Spirit's telling you to, to, to bring them, then do it. I want to look at uh, a portion of Scripture... Uh, called the Magnificat, the Magnificat, that's Latin. I want to read verses 46 to 56, but I'm going to actually back up before that in a second. Let me just read this section here, okay? And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble state of his slave or his servant. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. And He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. And He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy, as He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, and then it says, and Mary stayed with her three months. Now, what is that talking about? Let's go back up for a second here. The first two chapters of Luke are really parallel chapters. You have the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist given to Zacharias, his dad, as he's performing priestly functions. That's in chapter 1. And Zacharias doesn't really believe at first what the angel says. Gabriel says, hey, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to give birth to a child. She's old, she's barren. And she's going to have a baby, and he is going to be great. That's going to be John the Baptist. Zacharias doesn't believe that at first because he's like, well, how, how, how do I know this? Is, how, am I, how do I know you're telling me the truth? You know, First of all, when an angel comes into the, pres- into the temple, he, he's, he means business, right? But the angel Gabriel says to, uh, says to Zacharias that he will make ready the way of the Lord. He'll prepare the way of the Lord, and that's John the Baptist. In fact, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit yet from his mother's womb. So that's that a birth announcement. Elizabeth, of course, 
rejoices in that. And then you have the birth announcement of Jesus in, in chapter 1. Be section before we read this. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, you're going to be with child. Mary says, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And I know the birds and the bees, and that doesn't happen. And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And Mary says, look at chapter 1, verse 38. Behold, the servant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary then goes to Judah to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth is her cousin. Jesus and John the Baptist are going to be cousins. John the Baptist will be six months older than Jesus. They're cousins. And Mary lives in in Nazareth, which is up in the Galilee area, and she goes about 90 miles to Judah. Jerusalem is is about 89 miles now, and she's going to a city in in Judah, somewhere wherever they lived, by foot, obviously, or by, by animal, to celebrate, to go tell the news. And in verse 39, this is Mary rose and went to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Read with me in verse 41. I know I didn't read this before, but I decided to right now. And it happened when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting that the baby leaped in her womb. That's John the Baptist. While he's not born, he's still a baby. He's still a fetus, which really means an unborn baby. He's a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And now when Mary comes, enters the scene, John the Baptist leaps for joy in her womb. Because he's excited because he hears the voice of Mary, the mother of his Lord. That's a whole other study we're going to do on that because people are people even when they're not born yet, aren't they? Amen. Amen. Which tells me something else. Because, and I haven't gotten to to, to the text here, but the angel tells Mary, you're going to be with child. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The word there is described as the kind of glory that would overshadow the temple with his presence. The same thing will happen to Mary. Mary hears that, journeys about 90 miles. Takes you how long to travel nine miles? Okay, by car, it's an hour and a half, two hours, right? By foot, it's a little bit longer. From the time she hears that to the time she arrives, she's already pregnant. Because when she comes to the door and says, Hey, Elizabeth, I'm here. John the Baptist, within her, Mary, uh, Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy. And then, Mary, and then Elizabeth says, How has it happened that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For when, verse 44, behold, the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my room for joy. She's already pregnant this time. Now watch this. Look at verse 45, and then I'll get into what we're going to talk about today. And blessed is she, this is Elizabeth referring to Mary, blessed is she, Mary, listen, blessed is Mary who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And then what follows is Mary's response, the Magnificat, which is a praise hymn that Mary proceeds to, 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 to voice, right? And Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. By the way, Elizabeth wasn't there somehow prophetically as she knew what had transpired. This is Mary's response. Mary has just heard most wonderful news she will ever hear in her life, that you're going to give birth to the Son of God himself. Mary responds with this, this, this praise, Right? Why is it that only Mary responds with praise? Why isn't every single Christian responds with praise after work of what God does in our life, right? You say, well, Mary is different because she's one and only Mary because she gives birth to Jesus. But wait a second. Mary is a picture of what every believer ought to give praise God for because everything that God does in our life is birthed by God himself, not by us, right? right? Here's what Mary contributes to the matter. She has a body and she's a virgin. That's it. She's giving praise to God. And she is this described, this is called the Magnificat in Latin, which is the translation of the word magnify to exalt in verse 46. She gives praise to God. How many of you guys have reason to praise God? All of us have reason to praise God. She's going to praise God for who he is, for what he's done, and what he's even going to do in the future. How about praising God for what he has not yet done, but will do? Yeah. I'll take that on credit, God. I'm going to praise you for what you're about to do, or what you're going to do even in the long-distance future. Yeah. 
She says, look at verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I might not get past those verses and guess what? That will be okay. Amen? My soul magnifies the Lord. This is the reason why I had uh, Brother Duane read Hannah's psalm of praise because her psalm was very similar to Hannah's songs. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who was barren as well, who couldn't have children, and his, her, 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 the other wife in, in, in um, her husband's story was giving birth, and, and there's Hannah at, at, the, at, the, at the temple, actually at Shiloh, where the tabernacle was, was held for 300 some odd years, just praying, praying to God, and nothing was coming out of her lips. She's just so heartbroken, so desperate for God. And she says, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And God says, that's the prayer I'm looking for. Yes, I'll give you Samuel. And Samuel the prophet is born. And that's what happens. And, Mary, and, and, and Hannah gives this exaltation of God through that psalm. And Mary does the same thing. Mary has reason to praise the Lord and respond in that, in, 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 that, in that praise. In fact, this whole thing is praise. Now, I don't want you to understand, I don't want you thinking, well, Mary is just such a special case, and that's, she's wonderful. She is a special case. She's the only woman in, in all of history that has given birth to the Savior, okay? She will never be replaced in that aspect, right? Nope. But she is a human being like you and I. She's, she's a teenager who lives in some obscure place. That If God had not showed up at Mary's life, no one would have heard of her, thought of her. There would have been no nothing. She would have been born, she would have been raised in her town and died in obscurity. That was it. Okay, so yeah, so Mary has a very special place, and we don't want to discredit that. And I think as Protestants, sometimes we kind of knock Mary down. Thank you, listen. She gave birth to Jesus. Okay? That's a special place. But she doesn't carry herself like she's something special. I, I'm no, here's the thing I notice is some of the characteristics of her praise. I, I have like, I don't know, seven, eight, or nine of them. I don't know how many I have. I, I got a bunch of them. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Look, the first thing I'm, I'm seeing here is there's a depth to her praise. Look at, look at what she says here. Praise begins from the depths of my soul. She goes, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God. There is a depth of her praise. See, true praise comes from the depths within the heart, right? Jesus says, those who worship the Father shall worship them and Him in spirit and in truth, right? Some of us are external with everything, but this starts within and it blows up outside. How could she not respond in that way? How could we not respond in praise to God after what He's done? Mary, who is a virgin, who hasn't given birth to anyone, God says, I'm going to choose you, I'm going to do something special through you, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to give praise to God. Why not for all of us? Every single thing that God does in our life is birthed by God. In fact, that's God's trajectory throughout all of human history. Genesis 3.15. Hey, the, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Man will have no part to play in that. Right? Think about Abraham and Sarah. She's old. No offense to Sarah. She's beautiful, old, and barren. Oh, by the way, I'm going to have a, make you a multitude of nations, Abraham. But you're going to have to wait even more years because she's not quite old enough. <laughs> she's got to be in her 90s. Or, you know, she's shopping at, at Babies R Us. Does that place still exist? <laughs> Babies R Us with Abraham, you know, and everyone's thinking she's shopping for her great-grandson, you know, to be born. But it's her who's with child. And what part does she have to play? Nothing. She just gives, she just has to happen to have a womb that God can use. Well, actually, modern medicine couldn't have used that womb because it would have been dead and barren. But God says, you know, if it's dead and barren, I still can do something with that. All right? Mm-hmm. She's barren. Rachel's barren. Rebecca's barren. They're all, the whole patriarchs are all barren, right? Yeah. Hannah is barren. The point of all this, it's anything that God, it's, that God does in a person's life always begins and ends with God. You and I will not have names on our small trying to credit. I contributed this to God. God says, no, no, no. In fact, <clears throat> look what it says in the Gospel of John. Go to your, your right, Gospel of John, chapter 1. 
Look at verse 12 and 13. John 1, 12, 13. But as many as received him to them, he gave right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, watch this, read with me, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Guess what that means? That means salvation begins and ends with God. Praise the Lord for glasses. It's a miracle. I can see now. (laughs) Mary's praise is from the depths of her heart. It is internal. Uh, She says, go back to Luke. Luke 1. My soul, my spirit. Now, what's the difference between the soul and spirit? In fact, uh, Nick, you asked me that last night, and I was like, I have that. I'm going to share that today. In many ways, they're basically the same. So, and this is a little technical, a little theological here, you know. Some people think that we are dichotomous. That means we have a material part, body, and an immaterial part, soul and spirit. Some are trichotomous. I am one of them. Who believe there's a distinction between soul and spirit. But it's the soul and spirit so interconnected, it's hard to tell the difference between the two. I think soul, it refers to your, in fact, the Greek word for soul is psyche. Psychological, right, is what we get. It's the inner self, the mind, the thoughts, the feelings, the heart, the, the conscience, right? That's the soul. It's immaterial. Um, um, and the spirit, I believe the spirit, and maybe a part of the soul, maybe a separate, it doesn't really matter, but that's the part of us that connects with God through worship or understands spiritual things. It has spiritual insight and perception. Either way, those are deep within ourselves, right? Where the soul and spirit, either if they're separate or connected, some way, they're that part of us that the soul relates to people and the spirit relates to God. Either one, this pray, let praise generate from within, deep within, right? And Mary says, my soul, my praise are so internal and deep and feeling that, that I delight in my God. Mary is praising God from within. Some of us just praise Him with our lips and we go through the motions. And all, Some of us are so concerned with what we look like on the outside, we don't realize it's the inside, from the heart, that we begin to praise God. May God get a grip of our heart, right? May God stir up and heat up the coals of our heart so that, we, so that praise comes out and that we are walking praise. And even if the world is going... And wrong direction, we can still give glory to God. How, am I talking to anyone here today? I want to light up fire under uh, all of us, right? Because it ought to be that we rejoice less like Mary does. You say, well, Mary's so special. Well, guess what? If you're born again, that's the work of God. That's the Spirit of God working inside of you, giving birth to your barren heart that could never generate life apart from Him. That's why we go to, when we go to heaven, it's going to be all glory to Him. Amen? Our God is worthy of exaltation from the innermost part of our being. Psalm 35, 9 says, And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall exalt in His salvation. Habakkuk says in 3.18, I'll read the other verse in a second, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Mary is not just merely giving you an external demonstration. Then it is from the depths of her heart because something special has happened. God has showed up unexpectedly and he has done or begun to done something that no person could ever do. There's no medicine you could take. There's no, there's no, there's no guru you can talk to. No one can do this. No amount of self-help, no amount of, of <clears throat> denying of self. All the, it's God who starts the process. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. In the beginning, the Scripture says, and darkness covered the face of the earth, right? And everything was, the Hebrew was tohu vavohu, it means it was a mess. It was unfilled, unformed, and then God says, let there be. Our lives would have been dark and disformed and just a mess until God says, ah, let there be. When God shows up on the scene, that's the difference, Right? God has showed up. You know, but this is, you know, this is uh, perhaps 4 BC or whatever it is, you know, in the BCs. God hasn't spoken in 400 years. It's been silent. But now all of a sudden, God is showing up. And God says, here I am. And that's the difference. She praises God from the 
depths of her being. But look at also at verse, <clears throat> look at verse 46 and 46, 47 as well. Her praise is personal. So look at this. My soul praises, right? My soul magnify, my spirit. This is a personal praise to God. We all have personal reasons to praise God. Sometimes we think, oh, we're the, the left out ones. We're the ones that know if Jesus Christ has died for your sins and if Christ is your Savior, you have reason to praise God as much as Mary does right here because she's going to give birth to Christ physically. But the work of God in your hearts is the work of the Spirit that only He can generate. And that's the reason to praise God. Praise God for, for rescuing us from our dark past. Amen. I still, I don't know about you, you've been saved for years and you still struggle. God, are you sure you picked the right person? Are you sure you saved the right person? I'm a terrible person. I know my past. I can't forget my past. I can't forget my sin. Are you sure you didn't make a mistake? Because I'm not worthy. What can I do to work myself into your, into your family here? Oh, please take me. I will, I will earn extra. And no, 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 no. You can't work for salvation. Salvation is not something that you do for God. That's religion. A lot of people get religious, you know. I'll do. I'll light the candles. I'll light the incense. I'll bow the knee. I'll do. I'll do all the all the external stuff to become saved. I'll become worthy. I'll work myself into worthiness, you know. I feel worthy right now, you know. And it doesn't work. Salvation is not something you do for God. That's not the gospel. What could Mary do to birth Jesus? Nothing. What could Sarah do to birth an Isaac? Nothing. The gospel is not what you do for God. The gospel is what God does for you. It's what God does to you. Right? He came to seek and save that which is lost. You know, if you're lost, you can't find yourself. <laughs> if you're lost, you're lost, right? Somebody's got to go and do a search party and find you. By the way, I was lost when I was younger. Oh, this is such an embarrassing story. I went camping with my, my dad. If he's watching, my stepsisters were little. And we decided, we're in Payson. You know the woods in Payson? They're thick, right? And we're like, hey, let's go. And there was these, and I, I'm, a, I'm not, I don't watch, like today I'll watch, you know, YouTube channels of the outdoors guys, you know, they go camping and they teach you how to survive, you know. <laughs> they didn't have that those days. I decided to look for the source. I thought, oh, there must be a creek somewhere or you know, some river somewhere. So I'm, let's, I'm looking where the source of, there was no creek, for, there was no water, but I'm assuming there's water. I, I'm thinking that, and there's, before you know it, we got lost. And I kept this mountain in front of me. Well, let's go, that's great. That's like keeping the moon in front of you. It's, it doesn't help you, you know? And we left, I was in high school, my, my stepsisters were, they were little ones. We left at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they didn't find us until 9 o'clock at night. By the way, if you ever cross a road, even if it's a dirt work truck road, you know, logger, you stay on the road. <laughs> we were lost. I couldn't find them. They had to do the dog thing, you know, and put my, one of my T-shirts and the dog sniffed it, and they found us really, really, really quickly. And they had spotlights. They had a whole search party and everything. And they said, you know something? For every... Y'all, we, we walked a lot of miles that day. They said for every square mile, there, was a, there would have been a bear and a mountain lion or some crazy... God kept us safe, right? We didn't find ourselves. We were found because we were lost. And you can't find yourself when you're, when you're dead, right? Mary is praising God because... This is just, this is a personal praise. My spirit, my soul, because God has saved, he has saved me. But her praise, another characteristic of her praise is that it enlarges. It's in, look at, it's expansive. Look at verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. Or some translations, it exalts the Lord. It's the Greek word is megaluno, megaluno. It, you're the word mega, right? It means to make large. To uh, it means to speak highly of. To cause something to be held in greater esteem. To declare the greatness of. My soul declares the greatness of my God. Uh, it means to cause something to be held in, in better honor, increased honor. You're speaking of the greatness of my Lord. 
In Acts chapter 10, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. By the way, speaking in tongues is not about jibber-jabbish. It's about exalting God. You say, well, how can I make God bigger? Because that's what really magnify means. It means to make God bigger. God is already big, isn't he? I can't make God any bigger. He always, he's great. I mean, I, basically, God says, you know, uh, he's holding, the, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's, got the, he's holding, the earth is his footstool, right? And he speaks universes into, there's one universe, there's in the multiverse, so you know, the whole Marvel thing is a nonsense. There's one universe, he spoke that into his ex- existence, and, he, and that's like he could just do that without even thinking about that, right? How great God, and spatially, he's not confined to space. He's not confined to the dimensions of space, right? Length, you know, sp- the length, width, height, and all, and time are all created things, right? In the beginning was, right? Yep. He created heavens and earth, right? In the, be- in the beginning time, he created the heavens and the earth, the space, all that, right? right? It's all created. He's outside of that. He's great. More than when we say, hey, that's great. He's on a different category of greatness, right? Yeah. We, we don't make God great, but what we do is our soul needs to be reminded of his greatness, amen? Yes. You know how it is some days you just feel kind of cold and dry and dead and, and really not really, and you're, and you're, you're so concerned. There's, oh, there's things in life, you've got worries, maybe there's family stuff, and there's business stuff, and there's life things, and there's relational things, and all that, and, and, and your mind is preoccupied, and, and you, see, you, see, you see the problems of your life crowding your vision, and, 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 you're, and you're like, in God's a distant memory. We need to magnify the Lord, not to make God great, but remind Him of how great He is. Our soul needs to be reminded of His greatness. Our thoughts about God need to be enlarged. The angel says, it's impossible with man, but it's with God all things are possible. Amen? Cancer? May the Lord's will be done, but guess what? Cancer is nothing to God. Right? Whatever problems you're facing is nothing to God. Mary exalts God. My soul needs to be reminded of how great He is because my soul tends to forget. My soul is forgetful of His goodness and of His mercy and of His grace. My soul is faithless. My soul needs to be reminded of His faithfulness. Amen? My soul lacks focus. How many of you guys like to be are easily distracted? Amen. We're sheep. Some of us are ADD sheep, <laughs> which, which means that we're we're already short attention span. But that's that's a whole nother special girl. They're in the, you know, they ride the special bus to the school of heaven, right? The, <laughs> my soul lacks focus. Think so many things vie for my attention. The lust of my heart. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's a little trinket I like. Sin captures my devotion. And circumstances cause me the fear where I get so caught. And I forget that God's even there. So what does praise do? Praise says, let me remind my mind of how great God is. Like that balloon that you blow up. Not to say that God's a balloon, but my thoughts need to be enlarged upon my God. Amen. By the way, do you, know, do you realize that the faith of your heart will follow the exaltation of your God? If your God is small, your faith will be small. But if your faith is, if you exalt God, your faith will follow in the exaltation. Because you'll be re-encouraged, you'll be reminded and encouraged of how wonderful God is. And now, yeah, though I have the Egyptians behind me and the sea in front of me, yet my God is so great, He can cause the sea to split and I can walk on as if I'm walking on dry line in the park, you know? Amen? And though there's not enough, there's a million of us in the desert, and what grows, there's no grocery store in the desert, there's no In-N-Out Burger in the desert, but God can cause manna to, to appear in the morning, and then He can send the manna, and, and He can bring water out of a rock to follow you for all the years. How does that happen? Well, it's God. That's why Jesus says, hey guys, there's 12, 13, 12, okay, 12 disciples plus Jesus, and then probably other followers, and then there's 5,000 people. Hey, I want you to feed them. What are you talking about? There's no Costco near here. Remember, 
the story of man in the wilderness. Here's my new story of man in this pasture land with all these people. Because God can do the same thing. And praise magnifies God. Praise enlarges our concept of God within our heart. The higher our view of God, the higher our praise and worship. Jesus says, you were created to become worshipers of God, right? The Father is seeking for worshipers. We like to analyze things, don't we? We're skeptical. We come around with our, our clipboard and we're like, hmm, I'm not going to praise until, I, until God crosses these. To... You'll never praise God. You don't put God on the witness stand like he's got to answer to your, your clarification of what he's supposed to be doing. He's already great. The angels have, have already got that message. The angels aren't looking at your clipboard. They're looking at God and say, he's almighty, right? Isaiah, the, the prophet, he goes to, and sees the vision of God in the temple. He's high and lifted up. And there's the angels all worshiping. And he's like, wow, what have I just stepped into? Oh my, I am, I am not even worthy. That's how wonderful God is. Let it be that we're worshipers of God. Let us praise God. Mary doesn't want to be worshipped. Don't worship her. Worship the God that created her. I don't know what Mary's doing in heaven, and I'm not, you know, some people, you know, we, but Mary doesn't want to be worshipped. She magnifies who? The Lord. She doesn't say, magnify me because I'm going to be a co-redemptress with with my son, I'm going to be the fourth person of the Trinity, which means it, uh, what's the word for quadrinity or whatever, you know, I'm just, <laughs> there's four of us, no, 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 Mary is, no, 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 oh, magnify the Lord with me, magnify, let us exalt his name together, Psalm 34, 3 says, and Psalm 69, 30 says, I will praise the name of God with song and with mighty and magnify him with thanksgiving, oh, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 103, you guys know this, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And He goes on from there, who pardons all your iniquities. I'm so glad He started with that, right? Because sometimes I'll walk around and like, how did you take care of that iniquity? God, I'm still living 35, 40 years in the past with my iniquities I've done back then, and I'm still stuck like it's a ball and chain attached to me. And God says, I've forgiven those iniquities. Let's start right there. If you're having a hard time praising God, you're thinking about your past. God is taking care of the past. He's giving you a new, he's giving you a new name. He's giving you a future. It's all wiped clean. You're like, well, I don't deserve it. You're right. Who deserves anything that God gives us? The Pharisees might be the first to wait in line, you know. <laughs> uh, here I am, God, I've shown up. Now you can start things in heaven. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Praise God. That's not a literal, that's not a physical pit in heaven or, 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 or heaven. Oh. I better slow down. <laughs> that's, that's the pit. That's an eternal pit. He delivers my life from the pit. Those who are in the pit who never received the forgiveness of God are in that pit forever, but praise God that he delivers us. How can we not magnify God for that, right? If God does nothing else good in my life in the sense of things going my way, for their, if, if all, all I understand is I am saved by the grace of God, I have enough reason to praise him every single day for the rest of my life, Right? Every single day, if nothing goes, I, I, no, I pray. I, don't, I, I pray things go well for all of us, right? I pray, you know, we don't get sick. We don't have, but you know, that's reality is going to happen is that we're going to face it. The reality is we have reason to praise God because he has saved us. Yep. Amen? Yep. Magnify him praise even in difficult times. Habakkuk says, though the fig tree should not blossom, and though there will be no fruit on the vines, by the way, the, the, the figs and the vines, they were dependent on that. Like if, if food doesn't, though the yield of the olives should fail, that means if the olives fail, the, the grapes fail, the fig tree fails, we have no food to eat. And all the fields produce no food. And though the flocks should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will what? I will exalt or magnify, exalt, or rejoice in the Lord. I, I, I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Though everything goes against me, I still have reason to praise and exalt God. 
Now, I personally don't always live this way, right? Because I tend to respond to my circumstances. Things are going well, hey, I'm in a good mood. Things are going against me, God has left me. How many guys are with that? It's like a roller coaster, right? Oh, good days, oh, bad days, God has departed from me, I'm... I have been neglected. Uh, good day. Hey, God's with me. Uh, and, it's, and, and the psalmist says, hey, you're going to get those bad days. You're going to get the crop failures. You're going to get the troubles. You're going to go, but still, I'm going re- to exalt in God. I'm going to remind myself of the greatness of God. He is great. I don't make him high and mighty. He already is. And praise brings the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the holiness of God to the forefront of my mind, so that my faith follows forth in giving him glory. Amen? How do I magnify the Lord? Go back to Luke. You guys still in Luke? Or I leave you in Psalms? How do I magnify the Lord? You know something? When I think about God's goodness, I think about some, some, some aspect of his character. That's why this is what's important. When you read your Bible, how many of you guys, when you read your Bible, it feels cold, right, and flat? Sometimes you read your Bible, like, okay, I've read this before, you know? Here's what you have to do. Here's what will warm your heart. Meditate on the verse. Think about the goodness of God in that verse. Think about, let it sink in. Let it, per, how many guys remember the percolators of the, the coffee? Yes. My grandmother had the old-fashioned kind. They had the percolator. Grandma, what's that bubbling thing? It was all so cool, you know? Let, let, the, let, the, let, the, let the, meditate on the words like percolating. Let it soak through, you know? That's what you do. You reflect on, on, on who God is. Isaiah got to see God for real. In fact, the, 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 the apostles talk about how, how we had seen him and we have held him. And, and, the, and the Greek word is in a perfect tense, which means it still affects us right now. I could still... I remember we went to a restaurant, right? Um, you guys remember Emerald Lagasse? Bam, right? Remember that guy, you know? We went to one of those restaurants in New Orleans. I can still taste the steak Diane in my mouth. That's how good it was. This is years ago. That's what it means. When you get a vision of God, let it be that it percolates and affects you going on forward. And sometimes we have to be reminded of that. Mary understands. Praise God. You guys still in Luke? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not going to go that. How, what, how much time do I have left here? I got until Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not only is um, uh, the characteristic of, 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 of her praise, it's not only internal, it's not only personal, it's not only expansive, it's also informed. Look at this. Watch this. Look at, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And here's what happens. Her praise is informed. You know, all of her praise quotes scripture. You know that. Perhaps she was reflecting on Hannah's psalm that, that Duane read from. In fact, parts of the psalm are very much parallel to that. She's quoting from several scriptures, from the psalms, from the prophets, from, from Hannah herself in 1 Samuel. Her praise is informed. It is theological. It is scripture. Perhaps Mary has been meditating on the scripture. You want to praise God, you start thinking about scripture. Don't just open the Word of God on Sunday mornings. Maybe when you read it, you think about it during the way and during the day, and let that Scripture inform your praise. Sometimes, if you don't know what to pray, read the Psalms and let the Psalms become the voice of your prayers, and read it out loud, and read it as if you're David being chased by Absalom, or you're you're in a, you're in a hard you're in a hard place, and and you read that informed. Mary has been meditating on the Scripture and the Scriptures is the fuel of her praise. Sometimes I don't know what to say to God, so I'll open up the psalm and I'll read the psalms as if it's my prayer, my praise. Guess what? Emotions don't feel praise. Some people think that the goal of praise is to get emotional. Have you guys ever heard that before or seen that? Emotions don't feel praise. Now, emotions may be the result of praise, but truth fuels praise, right? Those who worship me will worship. The Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. You see that? Praise is a response to the truth of God, right? That's why when you praise God, praise Scripture, praise praise Him through using verses of, of, 
I said verses. It's verses of Scripture. It sounds like I'm German, right? (laughs) Proper understanding of God fuels true worship. We love the Lord our God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? Her worship is is, is informed. It's with understanding. And worship is a proper response to the accurate understanding of God. When you see God for who He is, when you understand Him, then it causes worship. That's why, in fact, fact, it's interesting. When Isaiah sees the Lord, he responds with worship, right? When Jesus catches a lot of fish in um, in, in, in Luke 5, 8, Peter responds and says, Away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Why? Because he just got a vision of who Jesus really is. That's even a response of worship, amen? Mary magnifies the Lord, having been informed by the word of God, and she's responding with truth and spirit. The scriptures fuel her praise. Truth fuels our praise. Fifthly, watch this. Praise is God-focused. Watch this. My soul magnifies who? The Lord, right? My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. But watch this. It's not just he's the Lord and he's God, but what about him? He's my Savior. Well, look what else she says here. Verse 49. Who is this God? He's the mighty one. God Almighty. He's holy, verse 49. He's merciful, verse 50. Look at verse 51. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered. Verse 52, he's brought down. He's exalted. Verse 53, he has filled. Verse 54, he's given help. It's all God, 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 right? Right. True praise and worship is God-focused. You say that's a no-duh. Well, sometimes people want to praise their concept of God, but not the real God. Exalting the God and rejoicing God means that, that Mary here is glorifying and adoring God for who He is, His greatness, His glory, not herself. She doesn't say, hey, hey, praise me because I am this special place. You know, She's not like Miss America or Miss Universe, you know, what are you going to do to change the world? Well, you know, I'm, I'm for a world peace and I'm going to, you know, I'm for, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to help the animals and all that. And, and I'm, no, she doesn't do any of that. Praise is God-focused. God-focused, amen? She says, God is my Savior, my Savior. I thought she's married. The, she needs salvation, amen? Yes. By the way, uh, that's why we don't hold to the, um, we don't hold to the uh, Immaculate Conception, which refers to the conception of Mary, not Jesus. Catholic teaching is Immaculate Conception because they think, well, Mary had to be born without sin, uh, so how could she carry the word? God doesn't need Mary to be born without sin, <laughs> Amen? You can handle that, right? Uh, Mary says, God is my Savior. I need salvation. My son dies on the cross for me too. Right? Amen? She's not focusing on herself. Sometimes we have have a hard time praising God because we're so focused on us. Do you know that? When you do that, that, that eliminates praise. Your praise will will follow who you focus on. Praise takes the attention off self and puts it onto God. That's true praise. And God never changes. And if I look within, I have nothing praiseworthy to look at myself. You know, we're doing, we're doing a lot of intellectual things. We're not doing enough praising today, are we? I've got reflective, deep-thinking people, which I love. But let it be that our thoughts are towards God. And let it be that, our, that within the, as we think about God and how good He is, how gracious He is, let it be that our thoughts rise up so that our, our lips actually open up, excuse me, and exalt God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Thank you, Lord. Not because of anything I've done or how good I am. That you're good, that you would take a vile sinner and rescue him from the pit on his way to hell and prick him up and set him on the rock and change his life and give him a new heart and a new spirit and put purpose in his life and clean him up and wash him and giving him a new name, a new hope and a future and then prepare a place for him in heaven and for her in heaven 
and all the past is you've been declared new. How is that not enough reason to praise God? Amen? Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise takes the attention off self and puts it on the God. That's why it says she exalts, magnifies the Lord. God is magnified in our worship. You know something? Listen to this. Prideful people have a difficult time praising because they aren't the center of attention. People who have pride have a hard time praising. Why? Because it's not about them. And prideful people, all they think about is themselves. They want to look at themselves and praise them. Thank you, God, that I'm like, I am so good. I, I give, I, I, I fast, I tithe, I do religious things. You know, not like this turkey over here who's just a sinner. I am so good. You should be thankful, God, to have me in your presence, right? That's not praise. And prideful people will look at themselves and say, well, I have reason to praise myself, but they have no reason to praise God. Why? Because they're so prideful. They're not the ascent of attention. And prideful people hate to praise because they want to be the ascent of attention. And if you put you next to God, guess who I'm looking at? I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at God. It's like you go to the art gallery and you see, okay, not any gallery, you go where the Mona Lisa is, right? You go to them and you see the Mona Lisa. Or we went to the, what's the one in New York City where they have the, 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 the guy who does this, you know, the... The Van Gogh, right? You know, you see the original or the one of those, and I love the. And you're like, wow, now that's real art, you know. And next to it is this abstract art of this white canvas with nothing on it, and people are like, oh, that's real art. No, no, that's real art. And I'm like, ah, oh, now I see. And she says, and praise. Prideful people have a hard time praising because they're too busy praising themselves. But I don't want to be that way. Let it be that we praise God because he's our savior, because he's mighty, because he's holy, because he's merciful. Watch this. Do you realize, look at this. Look at verse 69, uh, 49, right? He's mighty, right? God almighty, right? He is what else? Holy. Now those two things by themselves can be something to fear because he's holy and you can't approach him, Right? He's strong and he's mighty, he's powerful and he's holy. And you're like, I can't enter that presence. And you're right. Guess what? He's also merciful. You see that? Verse 50. If it wasn't for his mercy, we wouldn't get past that holiness. But his mercy that reached down to do something good in our lives. And Mary understands that. She recognizes that Jesus Christ, her son, is her savior. Isaiah says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Mary recognizes her need of saving and praises God for who he is. And if, sixthly, I'm going to do one, I'll do one or two more. You guys good on time? Yeah. The Cardinals aren't playing today, so. <laughs> so <laughs> sixthly, praise is joyful. Look at this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has what? Has rejoiced in God my Savior. You know, see, it's, see, it's past tense, rejoice, past tense. But technically, it's a Hebrew thing, right? Where the tenses of the verbs are kind of like, basically, it should mean has begun to rejoice. In Hebrew, if you have two verbs that are one, the first verb is present tense and the second is past tense, you take the first uh, tense and you make it for both the same. So present tense, my soul uh, magnifies the Lord. I am praising God continuously. My life magnifies the Lord continuously. And I have begun, my, my, my soul, my spirit rejoices continuously in God. There is joy in praise, amen? amen. It's fun to praise God, isn't it? Yes. Oh, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be weird and <laughs> look, you know, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna draw attention. Oh, no, not drawing attention to yourself. Just praise the Lord. Think about, who cares? You have an audience of one, right? You are impressing no one else but God alone. Because before you, you before, when we get to heaven, Nick, we, I, I'll care about my family. I love my family. But once we get sight of Jesus, all bets are off, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll see you all again, right? And have, we'll fellowship. Hey, hey, let's go to your mansion. I'll go to your mansion. Hey, you got a big place here, you know? But I get a sight of Jesus and, you know, Nick is not Jesus, but Nick, we get a sight of Christ and that's it. And we're going to worship him. And we're going to say, it was worth it to praise him. It was worth it to follow him. Thank you, Jesus, right? Brother Tom, he's with Jesus right now. 
Oh my goodness. Praise is an expression of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord for this work, and it celebrates and rejoices in God. My soul rejoices. The word there is uh, galio. It means to be extremely happy and elated and overjoyed. To exp- you say, well, you know, I thought you religious kind. You Christians are, you know, so somber. You know, like you're like you're you're like you live in the monastery and you're so so so. Oh, you know, oh, and and I remember when I was you know I was young and I was. I was I was a Catholic young kid. I was getting my first communion at fifth grade. I was older and I was really somber. You know, I was like, oh, you know, you know. And I was like, you know, Monty Python where they do, kind of do this, you know, hitting there. I was like, oh, so, I was like, oh, so religious, you know. I've got to be so religious. Where's the joy, right? Where's the joy? You know, joy is the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love. What? It means it's near the top. Which means we ought to be living our lives full of joy. It's like, what's you so happy about? Don't you know what's going on in the world? Don't you know it's all... God's still in control, right? And by the way, he wrote the... the he, under, he, he knows the, 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 the ends from the beginning, right? He knows he creates the new heavens and earth. Basically, he's going to wipe away our tears. No more sorrow, no more death, no more disease, no more cancer, no more separation, divorce, no more, no more any of that stuff. And he's going to make it all... And that's coming, Amen. So when my focus, yes, the world is in a bad place. I understand, I'm not going to say the world's not a bad place. Obviously, the world's in bad But God has done something about it, hasn't he? He hasn't left it like, oh, God's surprised. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, no. This took me by surprise. You're encountering that? Oh, my goodness, what do I do? Let's look up the files and find out, what do I do? And God is not surprised at any of that. It's all in his plan. Amen? Yep. Bless the Lord. And by the way, when he speaks the universe into existence, you know, he's spoken, you know, in Isaiah, he says, behold, I created new heavens and new earth. I'm not going to have to wait 14 billion years for him to create new heavens and earth. He just spoke in existence. It's real. God is outside of all that. And if he can create universes by speaking in it, what can he do in our lives? And what has he done through his son, Jesus Christ, but to rescue us from the pit? There's enough reason to rejoice in just that. Praise God. Amen. No wonder the, the father gives a huge party for his prodigal son. Let's celebrate. Right? My son who was dead is alive. He was lost. He's been found. We're going to celebrate. And that's the picture of the father. He says, here's another one. Another one is under the family. Hey, angels, kick up the... Hey, let's, let's do the lights. I don't know if they have streaming lights in heaven, you know, but let's, let's, let's celebrate, right? Some people like, we're, we're so religious, we don't have time to celebrate. You know, look... Joy is, is God's gift. Amen? Yes. Mary praises the Lord now, even though she, she has yet to give birth to, to, to the Savior. She is at the beginning of her journey, but she realizes what God's going to do. Isaiah says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness, and as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. There is joy in praise. Let us, let us be joyful in our praise. Joy is found in God. He is the true source of all joy. My soul, Psalm, is th- Psalm 35, 9 says, My soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall exalt in His salvation. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. And again, I say rejoice. Joy is not found by looking within. It's not found by looking to others. It's not even found by looking at my accomplishments or my failures. Joy is found in God alone. It is heaven-sourced. It delights in God. Let it be that we delight in God. Have you delighted in God ever? Have you, have you delighted in God? That's not convincing. It's getting hot in here. It actually gets getting warm in here. Bless the Lord. Would it be, you know something? The world would be a better place if we as Christians would walk around rejoicing in God. They'll say, what do you have reason to rejoice for? I want what you have. There's Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi. I've been there actually and in Greece. They're stuck. They're shackled. And they're not saying, oh, woe is me. God, where do we go wrong in this? Why are we in this prison? No, they're singing praises. Who does that? You're locked up, you're in jail, and you're singing praises? Would it be that as the world would, be, would take notice of our Christianity, wouldn't it? 
Why are we so concerned with making friends with the world? Why isn't it our focus is on God and the world says, I want what you have because you have joy when I, you, you should be depressed. Yeah. Why is it you have joy? Because my God has conquered all things. My God has conquered the grave. He's conquered sin. He's forgiven me. He's washed me clean. You say, well, you're still sick right now. You're right. But guess what? I'm, giving a new, I'm getting a new body. I have a new name. He's giving a new spirit. He's washed away all my sins. We would be happier people if we magnify God, our Savior, wouldn't we? Yes. Let it be that we rejoice in God even in the midst of circumstances. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish there. I have more to share, but I don't have time. Let's praise the Lord. Oh, stand up, stand up, let's stand up. Let's give God glory. Let's praise the Lord. We want to glorify you, Father. We want to thank you and praise you because you did something that no one else could do. No one else could do what Christ has done. Taking the punishment for our sin. Giving us new life. You brought life where there was death. You brought light where there was darkness. You brought, you brought joy where there was sorrow. And let it be, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit in such a way that we walk around not being goofy and weird, but with joyful, true true praise that's generated from our heart. And let it be, Lord, that we become people, not only a prayer, but a praise. Because if we're going to pray to our God who's holy and good and just and merciful and right, let it be that we respond appropriately. Let it be, Lord, that we, that we join in with the choirs of angels in heaven who are, re, who are rejoicing right now, who are praising you. Let it be that we, we join in with our fellow brothers and sisters of Christ who have gone before you to praise you. That's why you create us. That's where fulfillment is found. Fulfillment is found in praising you, Father. We praise your name, Lord. We give you glory. We honor you. We worship you. You are good. There's no one else gooder than you. God, there's no one else more holy. There's no one else more kind and righteous. And you're the one who stands with us when times go thick. You are always with us. You are Emmanuel, the God who's with us. And yet we will walk through times in our life where we go through valleys or shadows of death, but you said, I am going to be with you. We're we're not exempt from, from going through those dark valleys and times, Lord, but we understand and we praise you for being a God who doesn't leave us or neglect us or abandon us, but you stick with us closer than a man who sticks with his brother. You're worthy of praise. The devil's not worthy of praise. What did he do? He just think about himself. But you, Lord, you didn't have to save us, Lord, but you did. You didn't have to die for us, but you did. You didn't have to do anything. We give you praise, Lord. We join with our sister Mary. We thank you, Lord, that you used her, Lord, to bring forth your son. But we stand with her as one who needs salvation, as one who will glorify God, Let us be people of praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, we glorify you. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is with me, bless His holy name. You guys, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? And that wasn't coffee today, okay? (laughs) Coffee can't do what, what the Holy Spirit will do, right? And I'm telling you, I understand what it, what it means to be in the depths of, of despair and have spiritual thing. I, I go through spiritual thing every single week. But God has always brought me out. He's always my encourager. And he always, and the devil reminds me of all the, the, the things where I lack. And the Spirit of God says, but let me remind you of how good God is. Let me camp out there, right? I don't want to camp out in the valley of shadow of death in my, in my despair. Let me camp out in the goodness of our God. You guys sing a song? Great is thy faithfulness. Let's do that. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changes not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness.
Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy hands have provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you rejoice in the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, see you guys on Friday. The Lord bless you. We're going to celebrate Christ's birth and celebrate together. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Praise the Lord.